0: of the Christian year I mean there is no bigger day than the day of Jesus' resurrection and so today as we look into God's word together we're in the 24th chapter of Luke's gospel and uh, here the good Friday has passed the Joseph of Arimathea and a lot of the women took him to the tomb they buried him there they began to put spices on him and get him prepared for burial But the women knew the work wasn't done, and so they were ready to come back again on Sunday morning. And so we want to get into that story today, and we want to do it, today we'll do it a little different. We want to do it like uh, the ancient church used to. The ancient church would stand for the gospel reading. So today I want to invite you, will you stand with me as we hear this special story that happened a few thousand years ago? And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered over into the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Now, when the, then they remembered his words. So when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense, an idle tale. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. And bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying there by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself, what had happened? This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Will you pray with me real quick? Lord Jesus, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, you are our strength and our redeemer, and we especially remember your redemption on this day. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, today is a day of good news. Amen. Death has been conquered. The tomb stone was rolled away and the grave was found empty. Jesus' burial clothes were there. Maybe the shroud had turned. Maybe not. I don't know. But they were there that day. And with all this, the women come to the tomb. They come to the tomb not suspecting anything. All they know is they love Jesus They want to take care of his body. They want to get him ready for burial. And so they don't care who they meet. They don't care if they have to confront soldiers. They want to love on Jesus. As they come to the tomb, though, they find the stone has already been rolled away. They don't even have to figure out what to do next. But as they go inside, something, of course, is not right. Jesus is not there. He is gone. Now, I'd be perplexed. You'd probably be perplexed too if that was the case. But amazingly, then we get this story of the angels showing up and asking this question. Why are you looking for the living one in the place of the dead? Don't you know he is risen? Ever since that day 2,000 years ago, those who have followed Jesus and trusted in Jesus have believed that something occurred in human history on that day that was unique. That Jesus buried in the tomb for three days. God gave him life, uh, resurrected his body, gave him a body that would never be destroyed, and Jesus began to appearing to all his followers. Uh, Paul tells us over 500 people saw jesus alive before his resurrection and that's an awful lot of people all be hallucinating together something that really didn't happen and so uh we celebrate today is a day of resurrection and new life and hope and it's a sign that god's kingdom is here it's in our midst it's in our lives god's love is here for us god's grace is offered to us we just have to receive and like 2000 years ago each of us find ourselves in a different place um, when it comes to how close we are to Jesus and how much we're ready to receive Uh, back then 2000 years ago there were quite a few that didn't even know what happened right They didn't even know what happened. They were the distant and distracted. They were the distant and distracted. You see, they didn't get up with the women that morning. Like the other disciples, they slept in. And they didn't hear any good news. They thought life was getting back to normal after a crazy weekend when uh, three people were crucified, Jesus being uh, the most unique one. But they probably got up that morning saying, all right, it's time to celebrate Passover week once again. They got up that morning maybe saying, "Up, it's time to get back to work in the fields planting my garden and making sure we've got food for the coming year. They may have been doing a whole host of things. But there were a lot of folks that day who were distant. They had no clue what happened in the tomb that morning and there are many people in our lives today that are in the same boat right we have neighbors that aren't in church today this is just another day of the year yes maybe it's a day for getting candy or uh, having eggs or whatever maybe a special family time together for celebrating the Easter bunny like we did yesterday with the kids which was great fun but they miss out on Jesus, they're oblivious that anything has really come to change their world. Is that where you are today? And then there were others. There are others who were um, who were disgusted, and they were deadly. A lot of the Jewish leaders who nailed Jesus to the cross, they were happy to see Jesus gone because he was a threat. To their everyday way of life he was a threat to their power he was a threat to their uh, protection by Rome and so that day they didn't want anything to do with him they were glad Jesus was gone they in fact made sure the guards were there to make sure Jesus body didn't disappear well the guards apparently didn't do their job because the body was gone but you know what One of the neat things is, is even if you're a place where you're hostile to faith, God still doesn't give up on us. Even in a place where you're hostile to faith, God doesn't give up on you. Think of Saul of Tarsus, right? Saul of Tarsus tells it himself, told by Luke, he was clearly a head Jewish person among all Jewish people. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He says of the tribe of Benjamin, he knew Jewish law, Jewish culture, Jewish life inside and out. And he wanted the early church destroyed. He wanted Christians thrown in prison until that fateful day when he was headed to Damascus to throw more Christians in prison. And a light shone from heaven and Jesus himself showed up to hostile Saul's life and said, You will be my witness of my resurrection to the ends of the earth and among the nations. And this Saul of Tarsus turned into Paul the Apostle. And we know his story is historical, we know his journey is real. We know it because he wrote about it over and over and over again. It makes up two thirds of our New Testament, and it's one of the greatest evidences for the resurrection of Jesus. That this hostile guy could be turned into something totally different, all because Jesus met him. So if you're hostile today, whether you like it or not, God is coming. You too. God wants to be in a relationship with you as well. But then there's the flip side of the spectrum. On the other side, we have the devoted. The devoted. We see that especially with the women. The women who said, Eh, we don't care if we're thrown in jail. We don't care if we get in trouble. We love Jesus. We're going to take care of Jesus, whether he's alive. Whether he's dead, he is our master. We love him. And we are going to do all we can. They made Jesus their highest priority. And because of that, guess what? Very likely they were the first to meet Jesus in his resurrection. Because their hearts were devoted to the Savior. And because of that, They were there at the tomb, and they were the only ones that experienced the angels. Peter didn't experience the angels. The other apostles, the so-called followers, didn't experience the angels. It was only the women who were so devoted that they wanted to be with their Savior as much as they could, even if he might still be dead. In that same way today, the Lord hopes that our hearts will grow in our devotion for Him. That like the women, that we will love Him and embrace Him, follow Him wherever He leads, and make Him the highest priority of our lives. Make Him the highest priority more than family, more than country, more than politics, more than all the other stuff that is just stuff because we only get life from the right perspective when our heart grows to be devoted to Jesus. Only in loving Him can we then get family life right and work life right and national life right and world life right. So, oh, I hope my heart would be more like the devoted ladies who encountered Jesus that day. But some of us aren't that lucky. Uh, some of us instead, uh, we're more skeptical. We're the doubters, right? Some of us are the You Prove it, Chris. You've got to prove that Jesus rose from the dead. I'm not going to believe unless I could see him face to face and stick my fingers in his wrists and stick my hand in his side. That's what Thomas said. Because Thomas said that, he was probably the last one of the disciples to see Jesus. But the good news, even if you're a doubter today, is that Jesus still wants to reveal himself to you like he did to Thomas. Thomas took a week longer than everybody else, but eventually Jesus showed up. And he said, Thomas, I know... I know you're more scientific. I know you're more reality-oriented. And so if you gotta see it, here's my wrist. Stick your hand in here. Here's my side. It's still got a cut on it. It hadn't totally healed. You can you can touch that too. Put away your doubts and believe. Trust in me. You see, the Lord loves honest skeptics. I think God loves. Folks that love science. Because those who love science want or are hungry for, they're seeking truth. And Jesus Himself said, Well, I'm the truth. And so there shouldn't really be a whole lot of dissonance between truth and science. But to believe that miracles are possible that if God can create this amazingly vast universe with billions of galaxies and hold those galaxies in the palm of his hand, if God can create this world immensely beautiful, whether you're on the top of a mountain or on the coast of the sea watching a sunset, that beauty proclaims the reality that we have been created, designed, loved, cared for and that if God is real enough to do that certainly he's real enough to raise the dead right so put your doubts away Jesus will show up to you even if you're a skeptic well maybe we're not devoted like the ladies maybe we're not quite doubters but if you're not going to be either of those two, then third best place to be might be desirous. You desire to find Jesus. You desire to find out more. So be like Peter, right? Peter heard the story, the other disciples, the other 10 of them and whoever else that was there said, "Yeah, that can't be right. Those are just silly women saying silly women stories." We can't trust anything they say. It took two of them who were doubters, right, headed to Emmaus. Jesus had to catch up with them on the road and reveal himself to them in the breaking of the bread. But not Peter, right? Peter desired to know what was going on. So once he heard the news, he's like, I got to check this out myself. And so he ran flat out to the tomb. He got there, he looked in, and he saw, man, it's right, the tomb is empty. And look, the grave clothes are there. Those are the most valuable things in the tomb. Why would any robber steal a body but leave behind the clothes for burial that were woven with care? doesn't make any sense. So like Peter today, Be one who desires to seek Jesus. Be one who wonders at what went on that Easter morning 2,000 years ago. Because if you'll at least be desirous, you may not encounter Jesus quite as early as Mary, but you'll still be the first to see Jesus. Um, If you look at Luke's Gospel, for instance, we go a little further down. On that road to Emmaus uh, Jesus reveals to them to, uh, on that road to Emmaus it says verse 33 they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem and there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and they were saying it is true the Lord is risen he has appeared to Simon Peter so Peter as well was one of the early ones so where is your heart today Where is your life? Is it distant? Is it deadly and hostile? Is it devoted? Is it doubtful? Or is it desirous? It really doesn't matter because the risen Jesus still has a heart for you. And He will still reveal Himself to you. Perhaps when you least expect it. I'd tell you a story today. Um, A fellow, he wrote a book. It's called uh, Wall Street and the Well A Story of Transformation from Fortune to Faith. His name is Stu Fullendorf. I probably butchered that last name, but Stu Fullendorf. Stu tells his story, and I want to share just a little bit because he was in exactly this category. He built his life on being the vice president of an up-and-coming company. The company was, let me see if I can find it, Isilon Systems. Isilon Systems. And the big day came. They were going to launch on the New York Stock Exchange that the company would be up for sale, and they send out stock and, and make hopefully millions and millions of dollars. And all his company buddies were there with him. They'd worked hard on this. They'd worked long hours on this, and it was time to celebrate. And the bell rung, ding, 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 and they were on the floor for the first time, and they sat there and they watched as the stock price inched up and inched up and inched up. By the end of the day, it had doubled, and Stu found himself a millionaire at a young age. It was an amazing day. He should have been celebrating and exciting and having fun, But for some reason, when he came home, he felt empty. And he began to wonder. His buddies had had this conversation. They'd actually, they were in London at the time, and and they'd walked past uh, the house of Karl Marx, and somebody had made the comment that, uh, you know, Karl Marx got capitalism wrong, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, And then somebody else made a comment, well, he got religion right, it's the opiate of the people. And that got him to thinking and so now he was at home and he was considering having a few more drinks to party but he didn't want to do that but it got him to thinking and as he thought he said you know what i don't understand this broken messed up world i don't get it all then he went on to say you know what what if jesus had never been born would have would that have been a good thing Would it have been a bad thing? And he started to ponder that. He thought of his wife. His wife followed Jesus with passion. And he always made fun of her. She had to kind of hide her Bible or else he'd make a snide comment. Right? He was always picking on her and her faith. But not tonight. Tonight in the hotel room, he began thinking, what if Jesus had never been here? What if you'd never been raised from the dead? And as he began pondering that question, he shares these words. I realized up to that point, I had invested all my intellectual energies into the idea that God didn't exist. Because if he did, then where did that leave me? I had put all my stock into myself, my self-sufficiency, and my business acumen. You see, like one of the guys that we'd mentioned today, Stu was at a distance. He didn't think God mattered. He didn't think anything mattered except him making millions and millions of dollars. But now, Jesus showed up when he least expected, changed his heart and life. Here's how the rest of the story goes. Suddenly, as I thought, about this more I felt a warm wave of energy surge through me my eyes welled up with tears and I couldn't stop it a feeling of joy but also regret a feeling of deep and unending love but also a deep sense of the need to repent it seemed like a light had come on even though the room was still dark I've had this all wrong I thought Yes, the world is broken and depraved in a violent place, but the Bible says that Jesus healed people. He transformed them. He hung out among the worst of them, and he forgave them. Then I felt a divine presence in the room, and shivers ran up and down my spine. The Holy Spirit was there. Jesus, I cried out, I've worshipped myself, but it's empty. I don't want to live another moment apart from you. Give me my life, I am give you, blah. I give my life to you. Please forgive my pride, make me one of yours, and adopt me into your family. Then I laid down on the floor, on my face before God, and I sobbed all night. And every tear washed away a memory of rebellion, a harsh word, an indiscretion. I didn't care whether anyone in the hallway or next door could hear me. I wanted a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, Stu is just like you, just like me. doesn't matter where we come from. Jesus will get your attention one day if you let him. And when he does, he'll come in and turn your world right side up. With Stu that day, what happened next is he had a rough journey. He had some things to shed to get rid of. He had to come to a place where he had to admit he was an alcoholic. He had to come to a place to admit where making a million bucks wasn't all it was cracked up to be. If your 80-hour weeks were starving your marriage at home. And he began growing hungrier and hungrier for new life and for a new path. Until he finally told his wife a few years later, I think I want to go to seminary. And she was like, you know what? I was just praying for you to be an average Joe Christian. And here, you know what? God has given me a Charles Spurgeon. He went on and he's currently pastor in Colorado. Because the risen Jesus is alive. And he will touch us all. And I hope this Sunday, you'll give them a chance, wherever you are. Will you give them a chance to touch you? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.